This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. أعوذ بالله السميع من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعدوان إلا على الظالمين والعاقبة للمتقين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إن شاء الله تعالى as I get started just a reminder to please إن شاء الله تعالى watch the children to make sure they don't knock over any of the equipment الحمد لله رب العالمين it's wonderful to see so many people here tonight despite the weather to learn about our mother عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها and of course, uh, secondly, just to reiterate to everyone to please support, inshallah ta'ala, the efforts for our brothers and sisters in Syria and in Turkey. So inshallah ta'ala, the brothers uh, from the Syrian forum are here. So please support them, inshallah ta'ala, before you leave tonight. And those of you that are watching online, please do support, inshallah ta'ala, the efforts uh, through the Syrian forum or through any other trusted organization that is on the ground in the Nahi ta'ala. Now we continue with Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and as I said I'm going to break down the story of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha into four lectures. So the last time we spoke about Aisha radiallahu anha growing up and then her marriage to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the wedding and just a glimpse of the amount of sacrifice that would be needed to live in the house of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The way that they had to struggle with poverty. Aisha radiallahu anha talking about the fact that they didn't own furniture, they didn't have utensils, they would not have a hot meal for months on end. And Aisha radiallahu anha still talking about how incredible the household of the Prophet was. And so what made this household so special was not anything material, but rather the love that the Prophet had for Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and the way that he brought his character home sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And tonight inshallah ta'ala we're going to focus on one thing and that is the love stories and the romance and the dynamics of their relationship together. And next week inshallah ta'ala we'll talk about some of the hardships including the greatest hardship to Aisha radiallahu anha being the slander uh, that she had to face in Haditha ifk as well as the death of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Tonight we're just talking about the love story. The love that the Prophet had for her and the love that she had for the Prophet and this beautiful relationship that develops over time. And we can say without a doubt that this was the most beloved person to the Prophet because he himself said it. The very famous narration of Amr ibn As who embraced Islam relatively late. I mean, this was a man that oppressed the Prophet ﷺ quite a bit. This was a man that went to Abyssinia to try to undermine the first refugee mission from the Muslims to go and settle in Abyssinia and fought the Prophet ﷺ in Uhud. Yet SubhanAllah, when he becomes Muslim, it just shows you what type of person the Prophet ﷺ was. Rasulullah ﷺ treated him with so much love that he thought maybe he's the most beloved person to the Prophet ﷺ. Just because of how the treatment of the Messenger was towards him as soon as he embraced Islam. And the Prophet used him as a commander in the battle of Dhat al-Salasib. So Amr al-As wants to prove a point. He asks the Prophet in front of everybody, Ya Rasulullah, ayyu nasi ahabbu ilayk. O Messenger of Allah, who is the most beloved person in the world to you? Thinking there is no way he's not going to say my name. And the Prophet says without hesitation, Aisha. And that's something that they did not understand at the time. How are you going to say Aisha, right? He said, no, no, I'm not talking about your wife. I'm talking about the men. Ya Rasulullah, al-rijal. Not the, not the women. And the Prophet said, well, Abuha, her father. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And the fact that the Prophet said, Abuha, rather than Abu Bakr, her father, means he's still connecting his love to Abu Bakr to the love that he has for Aisha. So I love Aisha, and then I love her father. Then he said, okay, then who? Fine, Abu Bakr has been your best friend forever. We understand that. He said, then Umar. He said, then who? He said, then Uthman. He said, then who? He said, then Ali. He said, then I stopped asking the Prophet because I thought he'd never say my name. 
So it shows you two things. Number one, that Rasulullah had the capacity to treat people with so much goodness that they would have thought, even after short interactions, despite a history of oppressing him, that they might be the most beloved person in the world to him. And that the Prophet had no shame in saying that the most beloved person in the world to him was Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha wa an abiha. And subhanAllah, Imam al-Zuhri rahimahullah, he says as he narrates much of the story of Aisha, he says, أَوَّلُ حُبًّا كَانَ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ حُبُّ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ Aisha radiallahu anha. The first love story we have in Islam is the love of the Prophet to Aisha. Now obviously, Khadija radiallahu anha predates Aisha radiallahu anha, but we don't have that seerah so much because it's Meccan seerah. We have the seerah of Aisha radiallahu anha and the Prophet in explicit detail, and it was witnessed by an entire community of Muslims over a span of time. And so it's this detailed love story, and what Az-Zuhri is saying, as if to say that if you know this love story, you don't need to know any other love story. That this gives you the true dynamics of what a love story should look like in the capacity of loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, in the case of Aisha radiallahu anha, loving the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he then goes on to mention some lines from Hassan ibn Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhu. قال حباها بصفو الود منها فأصبحت تبوء به في جنة الخلد منزلا he says عنه, that this was the person that the Prophet was made to love due to how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favored her with a particular type of wood. Meaning she had the keys, as we said, to the heart of the Prophet. She knew how to show love to the Prophet in a certain way as well. And so she deserved it forever, for all time, in Jannatul Firdaus. Because remember, Jibreel said to the Prophet that this is your wife in this life and in the next. She is your wife in Jannah as well. And then mentioned that she is the wife of the best human being and the daughter of his best friend, his companion in the cave when no one else was with him. So the Prophet loved her and she loved him in a way that was unrivaled. And here's the beauty of that, is that everybody in the community knew it, except that that also posed certain problems for the Prophet So you might remember when we talked about the Ansar, the Ansar used to pay close attention to everything the Prophet liked, everything that made him happy, and they wanted to make him happy And they noticed the love the Prophet had for Aisha So what did they do? They would save all of their gifts for the night that the Prophet was with Aisha. So when they wanted to send the Prophet food, they waited for the night that he was with Aisha When they wanted to send any gifts, they waited for the night that he was with Aisha And they did that out of their love for the Prophet except that that made the other wives of the Messenger pretty unhappy. So we'll start from this place inshaAllah ta'ala. Aisha she says that for the wives of the Prophet we were two groups. They basically formed two cliques amongst them. She said that it was me, Hafsa, Safiya, and Sauda. Me, Hafsa, Safiya, and Sauda. Sauda and Aisha, obviously, uh, we talked about the dynamics of their relationship. May Allah be pleased with them. Hafsa and Aisha have a similar you know, connection to the Prophet. Their fathers are the Prophet's best friends. And Safiya radiallahu anha, for whatever reason, she joined that clique. Right? Then she said the other clique was Umm Salama and Umm Habiba and the rest of the wives of the Prophet. And we've talked about some of them, and there are reasons for that. Umm Salama and Umm Habiba, older, also spent time together in Abyssinia. Right? They have personalities that drew them together. And there was a lot of the Mecca versus Medina dynamics playing in that as well. So she says, she says, basically, anytime we got into an argument, we'd always resort back to these two cliques, right? So she said that the wives of the Prophet started to complain that the Ansar only send gifts on the night that he's with Aisha. So they said to Umm Salama radiallahu anha, go to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and tell him, and yakmur an-nasa an yuhdu lahu aynama kan. 
Tell the, tell the Prophet ﷺ to like make a khutbah and say, O oh Ansar, bring me gifts in every one of my households. Stop bringing me gifts only when I'm with Aisha. So Umm Salama is entrusted to go talk to the Prophet ﷺ and say, can you tell the Ansar to do this? So Umm Salama radiallahu anha came, and if you remember, subhanAllah, Umm Salama, the Prophet ﷺ respected Umm Salama radiallahu anha a lot when it comes to her fiqh, her knowledge, her scholarship, her wisdom. She's unparalleled radiallahu ta'ala anha, right? The story of Hudaybiyah and so many other things. So Umm Salama radiallahu anha had a certain voice with the Prophet ﷺ that everyone recognized. Right, that the Prophet ﷺ used to consider what she said very, very seriously. So she came to the Prophet ﷺ and she told the Prophet ﷺ, you know, what they said. And the Prophet ﷺ stayed silent. Then she came back and said it again. فَلَمْ يَرُدَّ عَلَيْهَا He didn't answer her. And then she said it a third time. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya Umm Salama, لا تؤذيني في عائشة فإنه والله ما نزل علي الوحي وأنا في لحاف امرأة من كنا غيرها. Oh Umm Salama, don't hurt me in regards to Aisha. Because I swear by Allah that the revelation has not come when I was with any other one of the spouses except for Aisha رضي الله عنها. Meaning Allah سبحانه وتعالى sends Jibreel عليه السلام with the wahi when I'm in her home as well. And there's something there about the idea that the Prophet ﷺ is saying that Allah has privileged her with something as well. The fact that Allah sends the gift of revelation to her, or to me, when I'm with her, is a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love for her as well. So don't make this a big deal. Don't hurt me in regards to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. This is not something I can control. The Prophet ﷺ is being fair with everyone, but this is not something I can control. I can't tell the Ansar when to send gifts, when not to send gifts. And the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, has shown some love to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha in regards to her righteousness, and she's one of those who saw Jibreel alayhi salam as well, then don't bring this up too much. Let it go. So Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha says, Atubu min Rasulullah. I seek refuge in Allah or I seek forgiveness from Allah from ever hurting you, O Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that should be the end of it, right? No. They go to Fatima radiallahu anha. And they know, you know, Umm Salama radiallahu anha is the elder statesperson, right? She, she has the wise voice, the voice of reason that can always speak in the Prophet benefits and people love to listen to her opinion because of how wise she is. But Fatima radiallahu anha, that's the heart of the Prophet right? Everyone knows the position of Fatima with the Prophet including the wise of the Prophet including Aisha radiallahu anha, by the way, saying Fatima radiallahu anha's relationship with the Prophet is very different. So they went to Fatima radiallahu anha and they said, can you go complain to the Prophet about the fact that the Ansar are only sending gifts to him when he's with Aisha radiallahu anha. So Fatima radiallahu anha, just out of a sense of obligation, she goes to the Prophet and she says, listen, you know, uh, Ya Rasulullah, you know, they're, they're saying, can you ask the Ansar to send gifts when you're with all of them and not just with Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. So the Prophet sallallahu what does he say to her? He says, Ya Bunayyatu, oh my daughter, Ala tuhibbina ma uhib? Don't you love what I love? See, he knows how to talk to his daughter sallallahu alayhi wa Fatima radiallahu anha has a copy of the Prophet She looks like him, she walks like him, she talks like him. The Prophet gives her, her you know, his spot, she gives him his spot. I mean, their relationship is so beautiful. So the Prophet doesn't even need to reason with her. He just says, you love what I love, right? So Fatima radiallahu anha says, of course, I love everything that you love. So the Prophet pointed to Aisha radiallahu anha and said, فَأَحِبِّ هَذِهِ Love this woman. So Fatima radiallahu anha said, I love this woman and I'm moving on. So she goes back to the wives of the Prophet and she says, I'm not going back, the end of that. Then they appointed Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha. All right? And as you'll see, once we get to Zainab radiallahu anha, Zainab bin Jahsh radiallahu anha, Zainab radiallahu anha and Aisha radiallahu anha had a, a dynamic with each other. All right? So they used to argue the most. And so Zainab radiallahu anha comes in and Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says, 
that rafa'at sawtaha, that she started to raise her voice and she started to talk down Aisha and she started to say all these types of things and the Prophet is sitting there and Aisha radiallahu anha said, I was boiling. Like my blood was boiling, I wanted to respond and I was waiting for the Prophet to give me permission. The Prophet let Zainab radiallahu anha go on and on and on and on and she crossed a few lines, meaning she, she actually went a little bit too far in belittling Aisha and the Prophet was a fair man. So the Prophet said, Aisha, go ahead. <laughs> so Aisha radiallahu anha said, so I spoke and I spoke and I spoke until I silenced her. I mean, she literally says, Hatta askattaha. I literally silenced her to where she couldn't say anything. And the Prophet said, Inna Abi Bakr. That's the daughter of Abu Bakr. Don't involve me. You asked for it, right? You started talking about her that way. You asked for her to respond to you that way, right? So the Prophet allowed Aisha to respond in that way. Now, why did the Prophet say, Inna Habnatu Abi Bakr? Was Abu Bakr known to be you know, aggressive or angry? No. What was he speaking about? He was speaking about Abu Bakr anhu's intelligence, his balagha, the, the fact that he was so eloquent, that he could structure his arguments anhu, in a way that you had to love and appreciate the eloquence and the uh, the intelligence of Abu Bakr. So when the Prophet says, Ibnatu Abi Bakr, some of the scholars say that he's simply saying, look, that's Aisha, I can't help you. Once you offended her that way, she's going to respond to you in like manner and you deserve it. Or he's saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that Aisha anha has a certain eloquence, which we will see, subhanAllah, an intelligence that came out as well when she started to argue back with Zainab. Uh, anha. Now here's the thing. The Prophet feared zulm to an extreme. He feared oppressing people. So Rasulullah was very thoughtful about how he engaged these types of concerns. And he would listen. And subhanAllah, one of the things that Aisha narrates is that the Prophet used to frequently make dua. He, so she said that he was equitable with his family. He did not wrong anyone. He gave everyone their equal rights. The way that the Prophet was khuluqahu al-Qur'an his character was the Qur'an. He didn't wrong anyone from his family But at the same time, he feared والسلام, the obvious leaning of his heart. So he used to say, Allahumma hadha qasmi fima amliku fala talumni fima tamliku wala amlik. Oh Allah, this is how I'm dividing my time and how I'm taking care of things in accordance with what I have control over. Don't blame me for what I don't control and that you control. What is he talking about Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Oh Allah, you control my heart, right? I can't be blamed for the attachment of my heart to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. But I will be fair in regards to all of my family, right? The Prophet ﷺ is not going to wrong anyone in regards to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allotted of hukuq, of rights. But Ya Allah, don't blame me for what my heart inclines towards. And so the heart of the Prophet ﷺ was especially tied towards Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And that's where the story really unfolds. A, a beautiful attachment that the Prophet ﷺ has to her and a beautiful attachment that she has to him sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so now you have this body of over 2,000 ahadith that give us insight into their marital life, into the way the Prophet sallallahu behaved when he came into the home. And it is subhanAllah such a gift from Allah to this ummah that we learn about the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha through this lens. So she says that when the Prophet sallallahu used to come home, the Prophet sallallahu would enter the house smiling and cheerful. And if it wasn't a serious matter that the Prophet was discussing, he always found a way to turn it into something that was joking. So the Prophet he was someone who used to joke frequently in his home, lighthearted. He had a cheerful nature to him, always in the home. And she describes you know, the life of the Prophet in regards to his ibadah, right? His zuhd, his asceticism. She said, that the Prophet ﷺ was someone that used to sew his own clothes, used to take care, patch his own shoes, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. khidmati He used to serve people within his household. And she said that the Prophet ﷺ had one bed, which was leather with palm branches. 
and I once folded it to make it softer for the Prophet but Rasulullah did not like the softness because it caused him to sleep deeper. And the Prophet wanted to always be ready for Qiyamul Layl. So the Prophet did not like that. And she describes the romance of the Prophet the way the Prophet was attentive in that regard. She says that the Prophet would grab the hand of his azwaj when he was talking to them. He would hold the hands of his wives when he was talking to them And so basically a lot of the things that you think about when you think of the Prophet with how he treated everyone else, eye contact, right? Being very attentive alayhi salatu wasalam. Imagine that with his family as well. So she said that the Prophet would hold my hand when he would talk to me and the Prophet would face me with his entire body just as he would face everyone else. And she mentions, you know, the way the Prophet would, would also uh, demonstrate that love towards her no matter what his situation was. And subhanAllah, sometimes you can read in the ahadith these implications. Uh, so for example, when she narrated how the Prophet would kiss her despite the fact that he was on wudu and despite the fact that he was fasting. Aisha radiallahu anha narrates, for example, in, in, in multiple ahadith, she says, Anna qabbala So she says, radiallahu ta'ala anha, that the Prophet وسلم, uh, kissed his wives and then he would go to his salah and he would not make wudu. And then she smiled. And Urwa radiallahu anhu said, Man hiya illa anti. Like, who is it other than you? Right? It's clear that you're talking about yourself, but instead Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says that the Prophet used to kiss his wives before he would go out to the salah and he would not renew his wudu, showing the permissibility of that radiallahu ta'ala anha and Urwa radiallahu anhu, just seeing the way that she would smile when she was remembering those moments with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, who would it be other than you? She even started to laugh radiallahu anha when she would start to remember those times with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And she said, but who would control himself the way the Prophet sallallahu would control himself? Meaning he knew sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the limits of siyam, the limits of fasting sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and not to go beyond what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had made permissible. She said that the Prophet ﷺ used to drink from the same cup as me. And he would be attentive to put his lips on the same spot that I put my lips. And if we were eating from the uh, bone of a sheep, the Prophet ﷺ would eat from the same place that I ate from. And then we would share that lamb shank or whatever it is that we were eating. And the Prophet ﷺ would always be attentive to that. And Rasulullah ﷺ was playful at all times with her, radiallahu ta'ala anha. And when you start to see some of these ahadith about the ghusl of the Prophet ﷺ and the way that he, was, he, would, he would take his shower وسلم, and the way that he carried himself around her, there is an element here that the scholars mention which is very important, which is that when the Muslims moved to Medina, they came into contact with the Jewish community. And the Jews of Medina had very strict rules regarding the rituals between husband and wife. Very strict rules. And some of the Muslims anticipated that those restrictions were going to carry over to them. And so when Aisha narrates in detail the ahadith of the Prophet with her, that he always was playful with her no matter what the situation was, that the Prophet you know, uh, never violated the rules of Islam, but clearly distinguished the rules of Islam from the rules that they were accustomed to of Judaism in Medina, she was doing that to show that there was a departure, right? That there was a departure. Because many Muslims would give fatawa based upon what they knew from the Jewish community in Medina, thinking that there was a level of strictness that had to be applied between husband and wife in certain situations. And she mentioned, subhanAllah, you know, even in the last 10 nights of Ramadan when the Prophet ﷺ was in I'tikaf, the Prophet ﷺ would stick his head into her home so that she could comb his hair and she could oil his hair because she knew that, the, or he knew that Aisha radiallahu anha missed him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So even in his i'tikaf, the Prophet sallallahu will go and he'll put his head in the room and she'll comb his hair for him, for him and the Prophet sallallahu will walk with her for some time and the Prophet sallallahu will show her that he's still thinking about her radiallahu ta'ala anha even as he is engaged in his most you know, uh, intense periods 
of devotion. Now let's go through some of the other things. The next genre that you'll find here is the Prophet affirming his love for her and being attentive to her in many situations. So there's the hadith that's known as hadith um zara'. Hadith um zara'. Hadith um zara' is one of the longest hadiths and it's basically a hadith where Aisha radiallahu anha comes home to the Prophet and tells the Prophet about a conversation that 11 women are having about their husbands. And she narrates what every single woman said about her husband in detail. All right, so if you read Hadith Mzara, right, it's like literally you can imagine people sitting around drinking tea and talking about their husbands. Right? And it's long. And the profound nature of it that some of the scholars mention is look at the memory of Aisha radiallahu anha that she was able to remember, even as she's narrating the hadith later, what every single woman said about her husband. So they're praising different elements about their husband. They're talking about you know, things that they wish that they had. And as they're sitting there, they get to a woman by the name of Umm Zara'. So Umm Zara starts to talk about her husband, Abu Zara'. And she starts to praise him. And she starts to talk about how when she got married to him, you know, it was as if the whole world had been given to her. And he treated her like a queen. And everything was incredible and going great. And the Prophet is sitting there listening to her go through every single one of these situations. So Rasulullah is paying attention to every single story. And Aisha is talking about how Umm Zara is talking about how amazing Abu Zara was until at the end of the story, Umm Zara says, but then Abu Zara left me and married somebody else. And she says, while that other husband was great, he was no Abu Zara, right? That She's saying, the husband I'm married to right now can't give me what Abu Zara was like. And as she's saying this to the Prophet Rasulullah is not sitting there you know, going like, I need to get to Salah. I need to go command the next expedition. I don't have time for this conversation. The Prophet listens to every single one of her stories. And the Prophet says to her at the end of it all, Kuntu laki ka'abi zar'in li ummi zar'in. I am to you like Abu Zara was to Umm Zara, except I'd never divorce you. So the Prophet affirms her in that way at the end of this entire story. I am to you like Abu Zara was to Umm Zara, except I would never leave you. In another narration from Abu Nu'im, Aisha asks the Prophet how is your love for me? And the Prophet said, like the rope's knot. And she said that she used to ask the Prophet ﷺ from time to time, because we'll see, they used to get into arguments at times. She would say, How's the ropes not? And the Prophet ﷺ would smile and he'd say, حَالِهَا It is as it is. Like, don't worry, it's still as tight as the ropes not. And then she narrates the famous story of watching the Abyssinians in the masjid. Now, subhanAllah, sometimes the context of the hadith makes it even more beautiful. Uh, this was actually the time of Eid. She said the Prophet ﷺ came home and Rasulullah also took a Eid nap. So just to give us a little bit of that sunnah of the Eid nap, because the Eid nap is necessary. The Prophet came home after Salat al-Eid, and Rasulullah laid down, and he turned his face to the other side. And Aisha radiallahu anha said that I was sitting with two girls from the Ansar, and they were singing the songs of Bu'ath. They were singing some of the songs from the days of ignorance. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu walked in, and Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, the instruments of shaitan in the house of Rasulullah, so he made it very awkward. He said, the instruments of shaitan in the house of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa and the Prophet he was taking his nap, he turned around and he said, leave them alone, O Abu Bakr. Let them sing. So Aisha radiallahu anha said, I signaled to the two girls that they should probably leave. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi he said to me, would you like to see them? Now what she meant by that is that the house of Aisha is literally where the grave of the Prophet is today, right? It's connected to the masjid. So anything that's happening in the masjid, they're hearing it. And the Abyssinians on the day of Eid were throwing their spears in the masjid. Okay? They had a specific type of war dance that they were doing in the masjid. So Rasulullah said to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, do you want to see them? So Aisha radiallahu anha said yes. So she said, the Prophet ﷺ said, follow me. I walked behind him. 
And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he told me to stand behind him and I put my cheek on his cheek sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said, Dunakum ya bani arfida. Go ahead, O bani arfida. Go ahead and keep on going. So she said that I'm sitting with my head on the shoulder of the Prophet ﷺ, my cheek is on his cheek and we're watching the Abyssinians with their spears and doing what they do in the masjid. And every so often the Prophet ﷺ says, Ashabi'ti, are you satisfied? Or hasbuki, are you done? And I'd say no. Now here's what Aisha says, she actually says, I got bored of it pretty early on. Like, it's not that I really was enjoying the display. They're doing the same thing. I mean, there isn't much that's there that's exciting to watch this for a long time. But I wanted to know my position with the Prophet Like, I wanted to see how far I could push this. So the Prophet said to me after some time, Ashabi'ti, are you satisfied? And I said, yes. And then the Prophet told me that I could go home uh, after that. So, the Prophet ﷺ giving her that time, giving her that consideration where she says, I wanted to know my position with the Prophet ﷺ. And this becomes sort of Aisha relationship with the Messenger ﷺ. I want to prove and I want to know what I mean to him ﷺ. In another hadith in Sahih Muslim, there was the Persian neighbor of the Prophet ﷺ who used to make a particular type of soup. And Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says that he invited the Prophet over for a meal and the Prophet said, can I bring Aisha? And he said, no. So he was very clear that I'm just inviting you, I'm not inviting your wife. So the Prophet simply went back home. The next day he said, Ya Rasulullah, I made this broth, I want you to come and eat from it. The Prophet said, Wahadihi, what about her? He said, not her. The Prophet went on with his way. The third time, he asked the Prophet ﷺ that question, and the Prophet ﷺ said, وَهَذِهِ and her as well. He said, وَهَذِهِ and you can bring her as well. And Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah said, commenting on that hadith that Rasulullah ﷺ used to like to have Aisha radiallahu anha accompany him on those occasions and for uh, those types of invitations. We also find the Prophet ﷺ paying attention to her. And this shows you two things, the intelligence of Aisha radiallahu anha and the emotional intelligence of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa once said to me, إِنِّي لَأَعْلَمُ إِذَا كُنْتِ عَنِّي رَاضِيَ وَإِذَا كُنْتِ عَلَيَّ غَضْبَ I can tell when you're happy with me and I can tell when you're angry with me. And she says, وَكَيْفَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ How do you know, O Messenger of Allah? قَالَ إِذَا كُنْتِ عَنِّي رَاضِيَ قُلْتِ لَا وَرَبِّ مُحَمَّدْ وَإِذَا كُنْتِ عَلَيَّ غَضْبَ قُلْتِ لَا وَرَبِّ إِبْرَاهِيمِ She said that the Prophet ﷺ said to me, when you're happy with me, you say no and by the Lord of Muhammad ﷺ. But when you're upset, you say no and by the Lord of Ibrahim ﷺ. So I noticed that when you're not happy, you use the name of Ibrahim instead of the name of Muhammad ﷺ. And she said, وَاللَّهِ مَا أَهْجُرُ إِلَّا إِسْمَكَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ She said, the only thing I leave is your name, O Messenger of Allah. Meaning when I'm upset with you, the only thing I'll do is I won't say your name in this regard, right? Like she doesn't curse the Prophet ﷺ or say things to the Prophet ﷺ that are unbefitting uh, between a husband and a wife. So it shows you again the intelligence of Aisha to think about saying Rabbi Muhammad instead of Rabbi Muhammad uh, or Rabbi Ibrahim instead of Rabbi Muhammad and the emotional intelligence of the Prophet ﷺ to recognize when his wife was upset with him based upon that. And she also said that I could tell when the Prophet ﷺ was upset or when he was stressed out about something by the way he would stroke his beard ﷺ. And he would immediately go towards the salah when anything bothered him. So a wife paying attention to her husband and noticing the way that he plucks his beard or the way that he strokes his beard when something's on his mind ﷺ. That's also a sign of the paying attention that they had to one another. And she said that the Prophet ﷺ would go towards the salah when anything distressed him. And she said, subhanAllah, a beautiful description of the Prophet ﷺ, that when he was home, he was working ﷺ, he was spending time with his family, but when the adhan was called, it was as if the Prophet ﷺ did not even know us anymore. When he heard the adhan ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ bolted towards the masjid, as if he didn't even know us at that point. There's another narration 
where Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu heard one of the arguments of the Prophet and Aisha radiallahu anha. Now Abu Bakr loves the Prophet more than he loves Aisha radiallahu anha because Abu Bakr loves the Prophet more than he loves himself. And you've got a lot of pressure being married you know, to the Prophet when your father is Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu who would literally give his life for the Prophet in any moment and who found his happiness only in the happiness of the Prophet So Abu Bakr came to visit and he saw Aisha raising her voice towards the Prophet So he immediately rushes to grab her like, what are you doing? Are you raising your voice on the Prophet And the Prophet jumps in front of Aisha and pushes Abu Bakr, or not pushes him, not shoves him, but like moves Abu Bakr anhu away and says to Abu Bakr anhu, this is not why we brought you here. And Abu Bakr anhu, he leaves the house and after some time, he comes to the Prophet and Aisha anha. And the Prophet had told Aisha, see how I protected you from your father? So he was able to quell whatever they were arguing about by using that moment to say, see, I protected you from your father, right? And Abu Bakr, who left while they were raising their voices at each other, while Aisha was raising her voice at the Prophet sees them now laughing. And he says to them, Let me be a part of your peace the way you made me a part of your war. I want to be a part of your happy moments as well. You guys brought me in for an argument. Let me enter with joy as well. And the Prophet says, فعلنا فعلنا. Okay, okay, come on in. Right? So the Prophet immediately would take these moments and Rasulullah would immediately bring a sense of calm uh, with Aisha anha in all of these moments. Aisha anha also mentions, and I'm going through just these last two stories which are very familiar. She mentions how she would go with the Prophet on journeys and Rasulullah used to race with her. And he said that the Prophet would often tell the companions to go ahead and he would race with her and she said, I used to beat the Prophet and then she says, I put on some weight and the Prophet beat me and the Prophet said, Ya Aisha, hadihi bitilk, one for one. So Rasulullah was even keeping tabs of our races with each other. Even as the Prophet is going on some very serious expeditions and is in the midst of you know, deep moments. And of course, the famous narration of one of those journeys uh, was the narration of when she lost her necklace. And she says that this was in an area of Bayda or an area of Dhat al-Jaysh, a faraway area from Medina. And she says that uh, the Prophet used to cast lots to see which of his wives would go with him on a journey. And this is earlier on in the seerah, so there aren't many probabilities, right? It's Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha or two or three other possibilities max. So she says that I went on a journey with the Prophet in this particular expedition of his. And as the Prophet rose up in this particular area, I lost a black beaded necklace that Asma anha had gifted me. I couldn't find my necklace. So I told the Prophet I can't find my necklace. Now it wasn't how expensive the necklace was. It was the fact that it was a gift to her from Asma anha and that it meant something to her. It held sentimental value. So Rasulullah announces to the entire army, look for the necklace of Aisha anha. So you have all these men that are worried about battle, right? That are worried about much bigger things, searching under their camels, going through all of the bags, looking for this necklace of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And then they start to run out of water. So they start running out of drinking water, but more than that, they're worried about being able to do wudu. So what do they do? They all come to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anha. And they say to Abu Bakr, see what your daughter did to us? See, they couldn't go to the Prophet and say, see what your wife did to us. They went to Abu Bakr and he became her daughter in that moment, right? See what your daughter is doing to us. She held the entire army and now we don't know if we're going to be able to pray. We don't know how we're going to make wudu. And Aisha says, the Prophet was sleeping in my lap and Abu Bakr came in 
And Abu Bakr was poking me in my lap and saying, see how you held the entire army hostage because of your necklace. And she said, I, I would have moved, but I didn't want to wake the Prophet up. Rasulullah is asleep in her lap. And Abu Bakr was like, look what you did. You held the entire army back because of your necklace. And then the morning came. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayat of tayammum. The ayat giving permission on how to purify yourselves without water. And all of a sudden, all these sahaba who were upset with me, they went to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and they said, مَا هَذَا بِأَوَّلِ بَرَكَاتِكُمْ يَا آلَ أَبِي بَكْرِ This isn't the first time we've been blessed through your family, O Abu Bakr. We always get goodness through you. So everyone was celebrating with Abu Bakr because an ayah of ease had come down. So that relieved the pressure, right? And subhanAllah, Aisha radiallahu anha says, after all of that, we couldn't find the necklace, and then my camel got up, and the necklace was under my camel. So the Prophet did not yell at her and say to her, this whole time, this whole ordeal, and the necklace was right under your camel, the Prophet he let that go. Uh, there are other narrations, subhanAllah, in this regard. One of them is actually a, a narration where Aisha radiallahu anha says that Hafsa and her prank the Prophet They decided to prank the Prophet And basically they switched uh, each other's hawj. Uh, the hawj is literally the, it's like the caravan that's holding on to the camel, right? So it's covered because obviously people would travel in the hawj and you couldn't see in the inside of it. So Aisha and Hafsa made a deal. They said, let's switch hawjs and not tell the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So Rasulullah would go and talk to one of us and think we're the other person, right? And this was kind of the nature of their relationship, right? Messing with the Prophet Sallallahu in a way that was halal, of course, to see what was going to happen. So she said that the Prophet Sallallahu uh, went to my hawj thinking it was me and he started to talk and it was really Hafsa, radiallahu anha. And then she said, she realized that the joke was on her when we got to the end of the journey and the Prophet just stayed with Hafsa radiallahu anha for the rest of the journey. So she said about herself, she said, I put my, my, my legs in idkhir, which were plants that used to have a lot of bugs and like scorpions and stuff like that. And she said, Ya Rab, sallit alayya aqraban aw hayya. Oh Allah, let a scorpion or a snake bite me. I can't even blame the Prophet for this. Like, this is my fault. Right? Like, I messed it up. And obviously, she wasn't making this dua with niya. She was saying it as an expression. Like, you know, I might as well get bit by a scorpion or a snake right now. Like, I messed this up for myself. And the Prophet ended up spending the journey with Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anha. Now, her jealousy radiallahu ta'ala anha, in this regard, is where you start to have a whole bunch of her famous stories. The most famous story is the story of Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu in Sahih al-Bukhari. He says that a group of the Sahaba were sitting with the Prophet sallallahu in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. And remember the joke was Aisha can't cook. All right? That's the joke. And Aisha radiallahu anha was very insecure about her cooking. And she didn't like when people would say that to her. All right? And that was her sensitive spot. Right? To say to her that you can't cook or to make a joke about her food. I mean there was even an incident between her and Sauda anha, where Aisha radiallahu anha cooked and Sauda radiallahu anha kind of looked at it like, I don't want that, right? And Aisha radiallahu anha said, either you're going to eat it or I'm going to put it in your face. And they end up basically laughing and, and Aisha radiallahu anha is putting the food in her face, right? Because she didn't want to eat the food of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. So the Prophet is sitting in the house of Aisha and the Sahaba are there and one of the wives in one of the narrations is Zainab and sends a dish to the house of Aisha which was like the biggest insult in the world. Right? In the house of Aisha you, sent, you, you send a dish to basically suggest the Prophet should feed his companions some decent food. So when Aisha just sees the messenger come to the house with a dish, Aisha comes from behind the curtain in the middle of the Sahaba, picks up the dish and breaks it, and then walks right back. Now, subhanAllah, this is a moment where, like, you talk about the Prophet's composure. I mean, sisters, please don't do that. <laughs> that's like a major. <laughs> think about it, right? Like, don't, like, that's like a major thing, right? How would you do that to the Prophet? And the Sahaba were in awkward silence to an extreme. They were looking at Anas who says, We all looked at the Prophet and we're thinking to ourselves, What's he going to say? 
And the Prophet says, Gharat ummukum. Your mother got jealous. Your mother got jealous. SubhanAllah, see, he didn't say, My wife got jealous. Your mom, because Aisha anha is the mother of the Mu'mineen, the mother of the believers. Your mom got jealous. And the Prophet said to Aisha anha, Prepare a dish, send it back, and leave the broken one here. So the Prophet calmly addresses the situation. Because Rasulullah understood that Aisha was doing this from a place of extreme love for him. Aisha's love for the Prophet was a lot. And so her ghira, and it's actually in the book of ghira in Al-Bukhari, this particular narration, her jealousy of the Prophet was well known. So the Prophet let it go. The red line was Khadija radiallahu anha. Right? SubhanAllah, you find this narration where she says that wallahi I was not jealous of anyone the way I was jealous over Khadija even though I didn't know Khadija and subhanAllah she says that the Prophet used to remember her every single day and Rasulullah used to send the gifts to her companions to her old friends and the Prophet would be excited to hear the voice of her sister and the Prophet and this is beautiful she says like, I'm jealous because the Prophet also gave her this amazing glad tidings of the special home in paradise. And in one narration, she said, It was as if there was no other woman in the world except for Khadija. Every single day, Khadija, 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 Khadija. Right? The Prophet can't control his heart. He loves Khadija عنها, long after she's passed away. So Aisha said that that one day, I said to her, hasn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala given you someone better than that old woman with red gums from Quraysh insulting Khadija? And that's when she said that the Prophet stood up and she said his face got red and it was like his hair stood sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Like, I crossed the line. Did the Prophet throw something? Did he curse? No. He just, he just said, Wallahi ma badalani Allahu khayra minha. No, no, Allah never gave me someone better than her. And he started to mention all of the favors of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. So that was the red line of the Prophet was your jealousy is there, but don't turn that on Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha uh, in that way because Khadija had a special place with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the next three narrations are literally subhanAllah a, uh, a glimpse into their home at night. And Let's just say there are three ahadith about Aisha radiallahu anha waking up in the middle of the night and seeing if the Prophet was next to her. So there, there are narrations where Aisha radiallahu anha at night, out of her love for the Prophet and out of making sure that he was with her, Aisha radiallahu anha at night moves her hand to make sure the Prophet is there. So in one narration, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says, that I was, I woke up at night and I started moving my hand around, and my hand landed on his head, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi opened his eyes, and Rasulullah sallallahu looked at me and he said to me, did your shaytan come to you? You know these thoughts of like, did he leave? Is he with Zaina? Where did he go? Did your shaitan come to you, Aisha? And Aisha radiallahu anha responded, she says, Don't you have a shaitan too, O Messenger of Allah? And the Prophet says, He said, Yes, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me control over him, and so he submitted himself. And the Prophet closed his eyes and went back to sleep. It's one riwayah, one narration. So, Looking around at night, is he there? He's there. All right, I got his hair. Okay. The next narration is a beautiful one. She says that one night I started moving my hand around and the Prophet wasn't next to me. So she said, I started getting up around the room and I started touching every place of the room. They didn't have light, right? This isn't like you hit a light switch. So she said, I started touching the different parts of the room. And she said, my, head, my, my hand landed on the leg of the Prophet وسلم, and he was making sujood And he was making the dua, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, la ilaha illa ant. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, la ilaha illa ant. 
So I heard the Prophet making dhikr and she said, I went back to the bed and I said to myself, Bi abi wa ummi innaka lafi sha'nin wa inni lafi akhir. Like, O oh Messenger of Allah, you're in one place and I'm in, I'm in a total different place. One narration, innaka fi wad wa ana fi wad. You're in a valley and I'm in a valley. Like, subhanAllah, I was thinking one thing and look where you were. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his ibadah. And she's almost, you know, putting herself down to say, I'm not on your level yet, Ya Rasulullah. Like, I'm mad at myself because I'm not on your level yet, Ya Rasulullah. The longest narration in this regard is a narration from Muhammad ibn Qais. He says, I heard Aisha radiallahu anha say, Ala uhadithukum anni wa anin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Do you want me to tell you a story about me and the Prophet Faqulna bala. We said, yes, O mother. So she said, one night I was with the Prophet and we went to sleep and I saw the Prophet get up at night and he put on his garment and he left the house sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Aisha radiallahu anha said, I got up and I put on my abaya and I followed the Prophet middle of the night to see where he was going to go sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So she said, that as I followed him, I saw him وسلم, go to the baqir, go to the graveyard. And he raised his hand وسلم, and he was making dua, he was supplicating for the people in the baqir. SubhanAllah, how beautiful. In the middle of the night, Rasulullah goes out and he raises his hands, he's making dua for his companions who have passed away. So Aisha says, I was staring at him and then the Prophet put his hands down, he finished his dua and he started to walk home. So she said, so I had to run home without him noticing that I followed him وسلم, and get back in bed and act like I was sleeping the whole time, right? So she said, I'm running and running and running and the Prophet was walking really fast back to the house. So I'm running, I'm running and I'm, I'm you know, running out of breath. And then she says that when we got home, I got under the covers and she said, I was breathing so that the cover was going up and down. <sighs> so the Prophet walks in and he sees me under the cover and I'm breathing hard. So Rasulullah says to me, Ya Aisha, why are you out of breath? So Aisha radiallahu anha didn't answer. And the Prophet says, Look, you're either going to tell me or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the subtle and the aware is going to tell me. So Aisha radiallahu anha tells the Prophet the story. And the Prophet says, so you were that black shape in front of me? Because Aisha radiallahu anha was wearing a black abaya. And she said, yes. And she said that the Prophet put his finger on my chest and he said, you thought that I would be unfair to you? And I said, no, Ya Rasulullah. And he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Jibreel alayhi salam came to me when you saw me leave but Jibreel alayhi salam did not enter the home because you were wearing your garments for the house. Meaning Jibreel alayhi salam did not enter out of haya, out of modesty towards you. So he called me to the edge of the door and he told me that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you to go and seek forgiveness for Ahl al-Baqir, to go and seek forgiveness for the companions who are buried in al-Baqir. And I didn't want to wake you up. SubhanAllah, Aisha radiallahu anha says that the finger of the Prophet sallallahu that I felt, you know, hurt by it, right? Now someone might say, and I'm going to put this out there because Islamophobes might say that the Prophet sallallahu hit her, right? When she's saying hurt, like he physically abused her, like he punched her, hit her physically hard, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But it's very clear that she's talking about the regret that she had for questioning the Prophet sallallahu or even thinking that way when she followed the Prophet sallallahu because she is the one who narrates, مَا ضَرَبَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ بِيَدِهِ شَيْئًا قَتْ إِلَّا أَنْ يُجَاهِدَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلَا ضَرَبَ خَادِمًا وَلَا مرأةً. She's the one who actually narrates the hadith that the Prophet sallallahu never hit anything with his hand except when he was in battle وسلم, and he never struck a servant nor did he ever strike a woman. So clearly she's saying that I felt the pain of the, of the finger of the Prophet وسلم, from a place of regret, right? That I followed him that way and clearly the Prophet وسلم, was not happy about the way that I followed him. 
in that regard. Now, two du'as here. I'm going to mention, which also show you again, her ghira and her hayba, the way she held the Prophet in certain esteem. One time the Prophet makes du'a against her, and one time the Prophet makes du'a for her. Now what is the time the Prophet makes du'a against her? This is an authentic hadith in Muslim Imam Ahmad. She says that one time the Prophet came home after a battle, the Asir, and he had a prisoner of war. And the Prophet asked me to watch that prisoner, to not let the prisoner flee. And this is like in the midst of the moment, right? I mean, they're trying to settle things down in the midst of the moment. So she says that some of my friends came and I got busy with them and the guy escaped. So the Prophet ﷺ came home and he said, ما فعل الأسير? Where did the prisoner of war go? Where did the captive go? So she said, لَهَوْتُ عَنْهُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ I got busy, I got distracted from him, O Messenger of Allah. And the Prophet said, قَطَعَ اللَّهُ يَدِكَ May Allah cut your hand and he ran out of the house وسلم, to go find the guy. Now this is in the midst of a serious moment, right? The Prophet literally has to go find a prisoner of war <laughs> that fled his house. And he was using this as an expression of the Arabs. He wasn't actually making dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sever her hand. So Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she sat down and she was looking at her hands like this. This is an authentic hadith Muslim Imam Ahmed. She narrates, she said, so the Prophet came back and I was moving my hands like this. And the Prophet said to me, like, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? Did you lose your mind? And she said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, you made dua against me, so I'm looking at my hands to see which one of them is going to fall off. Because I know your dua is serious, so when you make dua against me, I'm like, okay, which one of these is coming down? So the Prophet she says, He praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and glorified him. And then the Prophet raised his hands to the sky and he said, Allahumma inni bashar. Oh Allah, I'm human. Sometimes I get upset the way that people get upset. So if I ever say something in the midst of a moment like that, that would be a dua against a believer, Ya Allah, let that be a source of mercy and purification for them. SubhanAllah, so even the dua of the Prophet if he said an expression that could be interpreted as a dua against a person, from his rahmah sallallahu alayhi that would end up being a mercy for them and a means of elevation and purification for them. So that was the dua of the Prophet one time against her in that regard. The other famous narration of his dua sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she said, one time I saw Rasulullah sallallahu after his salah and he was pleased sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was in a very good mood. So I said, Ya Rasulullah, ud'u Allah li. O Messenger of Allah, make dua for me. The Prophet raised his hands and said, Oh Allah, Allah li Aisha, O Allah, forgive Aisha, ma min wa what precedes of her sins and what is yet to come, and that which is private and that which is public. Oh Allah, forgive her for all of her sins. So Aisha radiallahu anha said, I was so happy that I spun around and I fell on his lap out of joy. SubhanAllah, this is the sweetness of their relationship. So she said, my head was in his lap and I was looking up at him sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Rasulullah said to me, are you pleased with this dua? Are you happy with this dua? She said, how can I not be happy with this dua? Right? You just made dua that Allah forgives me for all of my sins. And the Prophet says, I swear by Allah, this is the dua I make for my ummah in every salah. So this is a dua that the Prophet made for each and every single one of us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala include us in this dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now in this love, subhanAllah, it's important especially when we start talking about some of the unknown qualities that Aisha radiallahu anha had that the thing that she loved most about him وسلم, more than his smile, more than the way he would treat her was his ibadah, was his worship. And she used to marvel at his ibadah. 
And so you find the narrations of the Prophet ﷺ leading her in Salah. <clears throat> you find the narrations of the Prophet ﷺ teaching her the Qur'an and teaching her the tafsir of the Qur'an and living the tafsir of the Qur'an. كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وسلم. His character was the Qur'an. You know the hadith, Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarak fi adha al-jalali wal-ikram that's narrated from Aisha radiallahu anha that the Prophet would say this after his salah. She was the one who witnessed the swelling of the feet of the Prophet when she saw the Prophet in Qiyam for so long. She said, Ya Rasulullah, Allah has forgiven you for all of your sins. Why do you pray so much? Shouldn't I be a grateful servant? She is the one who narrates the Qiyam of the Prophet in Ramadan and outside of Ramadan. And in one narration, subhanAllah, she was asked about the Qiyam of the Prophet in Ramadan. And she said, Rasulullah never exceeded 11 rak'ahs in Ramadan or in any other month, but he used to offer four rak'ahs. And she said, Don't ask me about how beautiful or how long those rak'ahs were. All right? So, Taraweeh evangelists say it's got to be eight. You got to pray eight like the Prophet too, right? And that's why there is, there is wus'ah, there is expanse in this, in, in this hadith, right? And how this hadith has been understood by the imams, right? She said, don't ask me how long and how beautiful the rak'ahs of the Prophet were. Four rak'ahs, long, gorgeous. And then he would take a break, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he'd pray another four rak'ahs. And she would say, don't ask me about tulihinna, about how long they were, husnihinna, and how beautiful they were. And then she said he prayed three rak'ahs of witan and don't ask me how beautiful they were and how, uh, how long they were. And she said, and one night I said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, don't you sleep? You know, when you, don't you go to sleep? Like subhanAllah, it's, it's beautiful. Like I'm watching you pray all night long. I'm seeing this beautiful connection you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you sleep at night? And the Prophet sallallahu said, Ya Aisha, my eyes sleep, my heart never sleeps. My eyes sleep, but my heart never sleeps. SubhanAllah. And that's why in this love story, uh, you have the beautiful narration where they asked Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, tell us about the most amazing thing you ever saw from the Prophet Tell us what the most incredible thing you ever saw from him was. And she could have said so many things. Sakatat fabakat. SubhanAllah, she got quiet and she cried for a long time. Now think about it. Think about how many memories went through her head when the Sahaba asked her that question. And you talk about someone talking about their husband after death. Like Aisha's life for 50 years was talking about her husband after death and teaching about him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Sometimes those memories brought her a random smile, random laughter. Sometimes they brought her tears. She missed him. She longed for him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Imagine, she longed for him on a nightly basis. What then of life without the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Fasakatat, fabakat. She got quiet and she cried for a long time. Until the people around her cried as well. And then she said, As for Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, What wasn't amazing about him? Everything about him was amazing. His whole affair was amazing, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His whole life was something to marvel at. But she said that there was this one night, لَمَّا كَانَ لَيْلَةً مِنَ الْلَيَالِ There was one night, قَالَ لِي عَائِشَةً He said to me, O Aisha, ذَرِينِي أَتَعَبَّدُ اللَّيْلَةَ لِرَبِّي Can I get up and worship my Lord tonight? Meaning, the Prophet ﷺ from the very beginning of the night wanted to start his ibadah, and the habit of the Prophet ﷺ was to sleep the first part of the night and then wake up for salah. But that particular night, the Prophet ﷺ asked her permission, can I get up and pray? And Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, knowing that the Prophet ﷺ is showing courtesy and showing a level of honor towards her. And even though she, remember, at night, Aisha is the woman that wakes up and goes, where's he at? Right? Listen to what she responds. She said, Wallahi ya Rasulullah, inni la uhibbu qurbak. O Messenger of Allah, I swear by Allah, I love being close to you. But I love even more what makes you happy. That's the most beautiful response that she could have possibly given. SubhanAllah, you start to see why the Prophet loved her so much. She said, Inni la uhibbu qurbak. 
I love your closeness, but I love even more what makes you happy. So go ahead, Ya Rasulullah. So she said, he got up, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he started to pray. And she said, I watched the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam pray. And she said, first and foremost, the eyes of the Prophet Sallallahu started to flow. فَلَمْ يَزَلْ يَبْكِي حَتَّى بَلَّ حِجْرَهُ And then he kept on crying Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam until the area that he was praying in got wet from his tears. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. How beautiful, SubhanAllah. His beard was soaked with his own tears Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the tears started to fall until the place of his salah got wet as well. فَلَمْ يَزَلْ يَبْكِي حَتَّى بَلَّ الْأَرْضِ so she said everything was soaked. The garment of the Prophet the, the, the beard of the Prophet the ground in front of the Prophet So she said, as I was watching the Prophet crying so much, you know, like a concerned wife would do, right? Like, what are you crying about so much? Like, what happened to you, right? Did something happen? Did someone say something to you? Did someone hurt you? What is it that caused you to cry this way? So she said, Ya Rasulullah, why are you crying so much? Allah has forgiven you for all of your sins, past and present. And he said, Ya Aisha, or Aisha, should I not be a grateful servant? Verily, Allah revealed to me last night an ayah. Woe to the one who reads it and does not contemplate it. The 164th verse of Surah Al-Baqarah. Indeed, in the creation of the heavens and the earth, in the alternation of the day and the night, and the ships that sail, the, that sail the sea for the benefit of humanity, the rain that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down from the skies, reviving the earth after its death, the scattering of Allah's creatures throughout the world, the shifting of the winds and the clouds drifting between the heavens and the earth, and all of that are signs for people who reflect. This ayah caused the Prophet to cry that way. This ayah caused the Prophet to get up and pray that way. And Aisha radiallahu anha said that was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. That was the most inspiring thing I've ever seen from him sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so this love story that exists between the Prophet and Aisha radiallahu anha was not just one of loving each other because of character, but it was also a home that was filled with a revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And inshallah ta'ala uh, next week we'll continue and we'll talk about all the way until that very last moment in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with our mother Aisha radiallahu anha, to be pleased with all of our mothers, to be pleased with the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to send his peace and blessings upon him and his family. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullahu khayra. And inshallah ta'ala, just a reminder to everyone to please support your brothers and sisters in Syria and in Turkey. Uh, as you go outside, you'll find the Syrian forum uh, there and they're collecting donations and I'll see you all next week inshallah wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh